The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams, and I'm Hunter Jacobs, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. So, this episode is going to be, I don't even know what to call it, I guess like an experimental episode because, see what happened was, Hunter and I recorded after the Nets' first scrimmage game against the Pelicans, and I had a really hectic weekend, so I didn't get to edit it and post it, and so to post it now would just kind of be irrelevant, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and combine it and putting it, put it at the beginning of this, so when... I don't even really know how I'm going to do it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to combine both of them. So you're going to hear both of them at the same time, and they're both going to be in the same podcast because to put out that one and not put out this one would just be crazy. So yeah, that's how that's going to work. Um, before we get into everything, make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that you would typically find podcasts. Make sure you go subscribe to us. Leave us a five-star rating and review because all reviews are getting read on the podcast and they really, 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 really help us out. Um, they take like you maybe 10 seconds, but they do a world of good for us. So please, please, please go leave us a five-star rating and review and your review will get read on the podcast. Um... Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. Our uh, personal Twitters will also be in the description of the podcast down below, so you can make sure to go check that out. We're obviously trying to build our following and get more fans and get more listeners and all of that, so help us out in that aspect. Where I think we have 128 followers, so let's get to 200. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring this podcast and every other HoopBall podcast. The leaders when it comes to male grooming, go check out the Lawnmower 3.0. Lithium-ion batteries makes it so that you never, you're you're, you're really not going to run out of batteries. It's super lightweight. And uh, the, the blade that they use for the Lawnmower 3.0, you can't be cut with it. So you'll be good on all aspects. If you go to manscaped.com right now, you can purchase the perfect package and which comes with the lawnmower 3.0 use code hoopball20 for 20% off and free shipping on your entire order make sure you use that code because obviously if you don't use it they won't know that we sent you so again that's hoopball20 manscape.com 20% off free shipping so yeah boom so right now i'm going to put in the old episode that we recorded about the Nets scrimmage game against the Pelicans. So that's what you're going to hear right now. And then after that is going to be this episode with us talking about the Spurs and the Jazz. So uh, take it away. Just a quick fun segment. So the guys over at Talking Nets, they, uh, so like we recently followed each other, got acquainted and all of that. They bought up a possible, not even possible, but like a, a, a theoretical Nets media game where I don't even know if we're we're big enough to be invited, but let's Look, just say if whether we are or not, just know if I was invited, it's buckets for everyone on the team. Give well, give, give the people a scouting report of Hunter Jacobs because they've never seen you play. All right. 
layup 25, defense 25. This is on a scale of 100. Um, steal, block 25, handling 25, three-pointer 99. <laughs> so mine's I'm, – I'm so in terms – I know terms... how to use the screen, and I know how to use it well. That's all that matters. In terms of 2K, Hunter would be a pure sharpshooter. Uh, me? Not be a sneaky play live. Oh, I've seen him play live, yes. I could actually post a clip of him shooting if you guys would like that. <laughs> but I have fried Najee many times on these screens. That's not true. There was a one time that he fried me because our friend is about 600 pounds and set a screen right in front of me and just put me right on my tuckus. So the... <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, then it happened two straight plays and... I, I fried him. Just fried him. Well, the last time that we played basketball, me and that six hundred pound friend actually won a two v two versus Hunter and our other okay. friend. Would like so, to know we played in grass. Hey, if you're nice, you get it done regardless. We played on grass where you couldn't dribble, so all you had to do was run with the ball in your hand like it was rugby. <laughs> hey, then why didn't you win? Because you had the 6'4", 300-pound man on your team. Hey. Well, hey. We also won in football, too. Again. You had the 6'4", 300-pound <laughs> man. I had the 5'6". Whatever. <laughs> but no. Um, a more a scouting report for me, in terms of 2K, I'm more of a one-of-a-kind type of player. Like... There, there's no, there's no NBA player that can really describe me. Let's go on the scale of a hundred layups. I'm probably like a ninety-seven. Uh, steals, I'm maybe ah uh, like ninety-eight. Um, okay, Najee blocks. Is... Okay, okay, okay. L- let me tell you now. I can't pinpoint one element of basketball that Najee is good at other than hitting a fadeaway jumper to end a game. I'm clutch. That's, that is one thing. You want to talk about Mamba mentality? I got look, it. Look, look, look. I personally believe that on any court, Najee would have the most air balls in any given game. <laughs> but he'll probably hit the last shot. I am super clutch. He's not lock up. He only thinks. Oh, he can I am definitely. I'm definitely lock up. There's no way I'm not lock up. You're insane. If I go inside the arc, I miss, and then he thinks he locked me up. But no, I, I definitely. I definitely miss. lock up. I, every time I play him, I give him twenty. It's. it's con- <laughs> I don't think you've ever it's, given me twenty. <laughs> it's consistent. I don't think Hunter's ever given me 20. Uh, one, my best attribute is obvious, obviously my clutchness. You need a last shot, I'm taking it and definitely cursing at you afterwards. And then uh, when it comes to layups, that's probably my best attribute. I'm not really a shooter, but, you know, I'm lengthy. So I really get in there and get, get in the trenches. But... <laughs> Why are you tapping to these fine people? I'm so serious. No. Let, all right. So, you know the way to find out whether or not I'm really capping? Invite us to the next media game, and we'll see what happens. Because, honestly, if me and Hunter are on the same team, there's really no nobody that can stop us. My son, Pooch, he posted the video of him cooking on his, I guess that's like his front yard. 
I'm I'm sorry, Pooch. I'm giving you forty. I'm sorry, my boy. Uh, who else? Uh, who all, all the the people that locked on Nets giving them fifty. Uh, talking Nets, we we already got beef with you, so we giving you sixty apiece. So there we go. Invite us if you want to lose. Simple. If you don't invite us, we'll consider it. Uh, you're being scary. So moving on to the Nets scrimmage versus the Pelicans, they got absolutely mollywopped. The score was 99 to 68, and the Pels did not have Zion Williamson. Now, the Nets were also, without a couple of their key players, they didn't have Jamal Crawford, Tyler Johnson, Joe Harris, or Justin Anderson. So, I mean, they were handicapped in that sense, and the Pelicans are already more, they already have more talent on their roster than the Nets, so not being at 100% really hurt the Nets more than it would the Pelicans. Um, the Nets have already, their roster has already been decimated by COVID-19 and them only having nine healthy players coming into the scrimmage didn't make things any better. So looking at the Nets box score, uh, Hunter, go ahead, go ahead, take over my boy. Well, as you know, they got demolished by 31 points. So I'm just going to run through the Pelicans before I get to the nets and break down that aspect um no one on the pelicans played more than 21 minutes that was jackson hayes who played the most two points five rebounds three blocks for him uh ingram had 12 points on four of seven shooting lonzo his normal inefficient three of nine shooting for eight points Nikhil Alexander-Walker with a summer league-type performance for him. If you remember, he had a great summer league and did absolutely nothing during the season. Wait, time yeah. out. If, if, you, if you haven't seen it, go look at one of the layups that Lonzo shanked. It was quite magnificent. It was a literal wide-open layup that he just clanked clean off the backboard. Because Lonzo has a good impact on the game. He's great defensively. His passing is insane. He's even worked on his jumper. It's just he does so many things like that. I I don't get it. If he's able to fine-tune mistakes and consistently shoot 50%, he would be an above-average starting point guard. But right now, he's just not cutting it. Other notable performances, Jalil Okafor had 10 points, Etwan Moore had 14 points, and J.J. Redick shot 1 of 5 from the field for 5 points. So, moving on to the Nets. And that's, that's the Pelicans winning by 31 with none of them really shooting well, except for Etwan Moore and Brandon Ingram. And not having Zion. Angelo Okafor and no Zion. No one else shot above 50% except them. So that that's an issue. When you move to the Nets, the only real good performance I'm going to highlight here is Jared Allen. And it was good, but not good at the same time. I mean, nothing he could do having a minus 19 plus minus because the whole team had a horribly negative plus minus. But he had a 10.10 rebound, double-double, 4 of 5 shooting. Also embarrassing for the Nets. Most of their players played 25 minutes or above, or 22 minutes and above, and they still got blown out by the Pelicans, who played everyone about 13 minutes each. 
the starting lineup was Chris Chioza, Garrett Temple, Karis Lovert, Timothy Luau, Cabarro, and then Jared Allen. Um, I will say Rodion's Crooks had a pretty okay game. 10 points, 4 of 8 shooting from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 rebounds, an assist, and 3 steals, and a block. So he showed that baby AK in him during that game. Um, I'm going to save Karis for last because I want to break down his performance more. Um, Inefficient-wise, there's Chris Chioza, 2 of 9 for 6 points, 5 fouls in 27 minutes. And four turnovers. Uh, TLC had seven points, two rebounds, one steal. It was it was not even Lance Thomas one of five for three points in thirteen minutes. There was not many positives at all. They had twenty one turnovers, twenty five percent from three, thirty five overall from the field. And now looking at Karis Lover, Najee, you had a lot to say about Karis. You want to break that down? Okay, so one thing that really needs to be taken into consideration when looking at the... If you just heard that ding, I'm so sorry. Someone just texted me. Something that needs to be taken into consideration when looking at these net scrimmage games, then even the next two, is that they are just that, scrimmage games. And so don't put too much into these games because we might see a completely different Nets team in the eight games that actually mean something. Also, the Nets, as we know, are not seriously going for a chip this season anyway, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah, of course. They're going to try and win, but all of this is for next year. To see who they think would flow well with KD and Kyrie next year. And Dinwiddie, who's not here either. And Claxton. And Jordan. And Prince. Exactly. Basically, their entire starting lineup is at home. So, when when, when I look at this, this, this Karis LeVert game, I see hasn't played basketball since March 10th. Almost five months ago. Almost half a year ago. Has not played ba- professional basketball since then. So, of course, you're going to be a little rusty. You only have 22 minutes. They probably let him know that his minutes limit was 22. Or, or maybe 23. But 22 minutes, 37 seconds. Of course, I'm going to go. I'm looking at everybody else on the court. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on obviously the best player on this team. I'm going to go out and shoot 18 shots. At least get my feet under me. So, next game, I can come out, shoot the same 18 shots. Instead of making five. And going 0 for 6 from the 3-point line, I'll make 10 and go 2 for 6 from the 3-point line. And instead of having 10 points, I'll have 20. And and just like that, this was literally just a practice game for Karras. Just like it was for uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, all of them. It's, Even- just, it's so weird seeing like there are some players who are like Karras who are like so rusty when they come back. And then there's players like... Like, obviously Giannis is amazing, but let's look at somebody. He was 8 of 8 for on two-pointers today and had 22 points in limited minutes. But looking at someone like Seth Curry, 
Seth Curry was nice. Seth Curry was killing the Lakers. Destroyed the Lakers. Could not miss for his life. And he, similarly to Karras, probably has not played. Yeah. And he has a a smaller role. Some people come back red hot and some come back ice cold. I don't think Karras is going to go 5 of 18 for the rest of the, the, the season, though. And, but something I wanted to talk about was, like, what do you think of their starting lineup? Based on the nine players they had healthy, do you think this was the best starting lineup they could have constructed? Out of the players they had, no. The, the only thing I would do differently is, uh, you know, personally, I mean, uh I mean, it's it's okay. It's just I like I want Karuk starting, personally. I mean, my son Jonan had the best. He had a team high eleven. He probably yes, had. I, I mean, I mean, he seven of them were free throws, so he got the line. So yeah, Jonan had four turnovers. That that's. Eh. I mean, I, I don't want to really crucify any of them. Yeah, I mean, me either. Even with Karras's bad game, he still had the best plus minus out of anyone on the team at minus five. And so that, with his worst game, he was still having a pretty solid impact yeah, on the court. He had 10, 3, and 4. I mean, and a steal. It's obviously not a great game of him, but if this is the worst, this is undoubtedly going to be his worst game in Orlando. And so there's only up to go from here. That's the bright side that you can look on. Um, everyone else, I mean, once the Nets get more healthy and as healthy as they can be, they're still not going to be that amazing. But when they get Jamal Crawford, Tyler Johnson, Justin Anderson back, Joe Harris is a really, really, really big part of their offense back, then I think we'll see a better Nets. If they had those guys, they're definitely not getting blown out by 31. They might still lose, but it most definitely would have been way closer. So the Nets' next matchup will be against the San Antonio Spurs on July 25th. And uh, the Spurs just got clapped by the Bucks earlier today, like Hunter was saying, Giannis went crazy. And then after that, their last and final scrimmage will be against the Utah Jazz on the 27th. And uh, the Jazz are a much more difficult opponent, but I still think that I don't think the Nets are going to win, to be completely honest, especially if they play like they did tonight, and especially if they still only have nine players healthy. They're not going to take that one home, but I do think that they can take home the game against the Spurs. So, so yeah, there was last episode. We are now back. For us, it's been like maybe 10 minutes, 10 seconds. But and for- I will say this is the most normal recording time for normal human beings <laughs> um, that we've ever had. We usually record like oh, 2 a.m., like midnight we record at like the weirdest times randomly we're recording smack in the middle of the day at 5 p.m right now probably the first time we've ever done that we back when we were in college we used to record at like 4 (laughs) a.m like we used to we one time we sat in my because i used to be an ra we sat in the ra office and just recorded at 4 30 that morning with (laughs) no interruptions like it's crazy but yeah now we're recording at 502 uh, I turned my air conditioner off for you guys, so you better appreciate this because my room is blazing right now. So <laughs> let, let's try and get through this quick. Um, and I can't lie, if things get too crazy, the air conditioner is going on. So you might just have to deal with the, the little background noise. I'll try to edit it out as much as possible if I do turn it on. But yeah, 
you just heard us talk about the Nets game versus the Pelicans where they got molly whopped by 31. We, we recorded that like a week ago, but now here we are, what, two days before the Nets start their seeding games. I think they open up against the Magic on Friday. And, and there were there were definitely some improvements in their play from that first game for sure. A hundred percent. I guess we could just dive into the two games right now. We'll, we'll go in order. The first game being against the well, their second game being against the Spurs. The Nets did end up going one and two in their scrimmage games, which honestly is pretty good. It's like, not though. It's not the worst. Like it's not worst case scenario because this until yeah, the Spurs they were zero and two after this game against the Nets. The Nets were one and one, and we really almost pushed the Jazz. We almost, almost, almost beat them. We only lost by like five points, I think, one twelve to one oh seven. So, I have a question for you because the you know the Spurs are not going to go anywhere. They're one of the lower West teams. They're really not pushing for the eighth seed even. Do you think it was worth it for Popovich to coach them during this? You mean for him to come into the bubble in the first yes. place? Yes. I mean, what do you consider worth it? Like, I, I don't like, think. Do you think. Do like, you if think he should have opted have out? Risk? Yes. Do you think he should have opted out? Uh, I, I mean, it would. It, it I can't say because, like, in that. If I was in that scenario where you fight with a team. Like, you fight battle after battle, night after night with your team. Like, how can I not go and expect, like, I'm your leader. I'm considered the greatest coach maybe of all time for basketball. So how am I going to expect to send you into the bubble and not have me there behind you? Like, I couldn't do that as a coach. So I think he had to go. Because then his players wouldn't have any motivation to play, like. I feel like him being there, they might play even harder for him because they know his health is obviously at risk because he's of an older age. They, I think they could have competed for the eighth seed had LaMarcus Aldridge been playing, but with him out, it's going to be tough. Yeah, but would you have gone if you were Pop? I, I don't see how any see, coach wouldn't have gone. Yeah, that's the thing. See, like I would say me, myself, of course, I love sports. I got to have the, the drive for it. But then you look at it as like, He's he's upwards above seventy years old. He's he's at a very high risk, but it's really up to him. If he feels that he's safe in that environment, then sure. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> hopefully they can they can make it worth his while in some way by just winning a couple of their eight seeding games and not just flat out being trampled. But at least the Nets took this one from them. Uh. We won 124 to 119. We outscored them in two of the four quarters. They outscored us in the first and the fourth. We outscored them in the second and the third. Um, The third quarter for the Nets was fantastic. 39 bomb in the third. Yeah, 39 bomb in the third. Uh, Joe Harris returned this game. He started the Nets. So this was a topic of conversation, so we might as well go over it. The Nets starting lineup ended up being... Chioza at the one, Karras at the two, Joe Harris at the three, TLC at the four, and Jared Allen at the five. So it turns out that you and me were both wrong about what the lineup's going to be. What so. did you say it was? I mean, I know that same mine. thing. Same thing replaced TLC with Rody, which is what it should be because that's hundred percent. So, like, we're going to get into this later about how, like, why we believe he's going off. But all jokes aside, Rodion's Karuks should most definitely be the starting power forward for the Nets. Like, there's no reason. So, TLC in this Spurs game, 
the Nets won. Most players played well in this game. He was not one of them. Eight points in 23 minutes, two of 10 shooting, 0 of 6 from three, four rebounds, four fouls. And, not the best game. And and not, not just the Spurs game. If you go over to the Jazz game, he went one of five from the field, one of four from three, and had three points. And I know this is a an, an deeply analytical stat, but the floor impact counter has him as the lowest starter and had him at a negative in the jazz game and the only player on the nets at a negative. So, and he also fouled out in the jazz game. So he, he's been a foul magnet, can't hit his shots. And I I don't really, I, maybe it's for, for his case because he's playing the four, which then obviously is some slack. That's not his position, but that's why I think roadie should be there because he's already played the four. And so like, Road obviously like TLC is playing because he played more in the regular season, but again like why did Rody not play more in the regular season? There's unless it was for off the court issues that we're not privy to. I don't see why Kenny and Jock Vaughn didn't play him more in the regular season because the way he's looking right now, it looks like he's by far the best power forward that the Nets can throw out there. And so yeah. I, I will say, so in this game, he talked about Joe Harris. Joe Harris had 12 points, 4 of 9 shooting. Similar to how he was all season, you know, his efficiency numbers were a little down. He's still going to get upwards of 10 points. Surprising line there was he had two blocks. Um, Chris Chioza, he fills the stat sheet, but his efficiency has been off. 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 4.7 rebounds, 7 assists, and a steal. And then other starter, Jarrett Allen, 10 points, 11 rebounds, two steals, no blocks, usually the other and that was around. And that was in only 23 minutes. So that's a quick double-double yeah. for Jarrett Allen. Yes, yeah, solid. And we'll save the best starter for last because now she will definitely have a lot to say about yes, it. Yes, sir. Um, and, uh, well, the other bad performances of the game, I'll get those out of the way first. Garrett Temple shooting 3 of 13 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3 for 10 points, 6 rebounds, a steal and a block. And then you have John on Musa, only played 7 minutes and had 2 steals, but he was 0 of 3 from the field with 2 points. Other than that, almost everyone played well and um, did their part. So we already talked about Rody, so let me just get his stat line out of the way. Uh, he had 17 points, 2 assists. Four rebounds. He was five of seven from the field, three of three from deep. Um, he's actually shot really well, even in the Jazz game as well. He was three of three from deep in the Spurs game, and what was he in the Jazz game? He was three of four from deep in that he, game. He has a nice jumper. It's just it's smooth. I don't think, like his release. I don't think he he would he was like taking them enough. It seemed like he was like scared to to hoist up threes repeatedly, but that's, he was being selective about it. That's because like. That was something that I never really agree with with Kenny with the young players is whenever they made a mistake, they were immediately docked minutes, I'd sit back down on the bench out of the rotation. So it didn't really encourage them to grow as players and like try and expand the repertoire of their shots because they just tried to do what they could in the scenarios that scenarios well, that they were in, you know. I will say also, we had this discussion with our friends the other day because Andre Roberson looks like someone who can knock down threes pretty not consistently, but a lot better than he could before. It doesn't look like consistent air balls anymore. Um, 
the the quarantine has probably made a lot of players fine-tune the skills that were weaker in their game unless they were playing video games all the time which some of them probably were but who knows Rody could have been one of these players that had just worked on his three ball the whole time he could have been and and now that the nets are kind of not kind of actually really short-handed like there's no fear for him of falling out of the rotation so now he can really just do go out on the court and be free and not have to worry about getting benched for a, a stupid mistake um Another great performer, Tyler Johnson. He suited up for the Nets. He played 18 minutes off the bench. He had 17 points and was 3 of 5 from 3, 7 of 11 from the field. Uh, Obviously, everybody knows the history with Tyler Johnson. The Nets tried to sign him a couple years ago, and then the Heat matched his offer. Yeah, so I have a question about Tyler Johnson. He played well in that game, and he played pretty decently in the next game, too, the Jazz game. He had 11 points in 17 minutes. Um do you believe that when Jamal Crawford winds up playing that it eats at his minutes and he has a minimal role? Um, Because he's been playing pretty well. I think But it, there's not room for everyone to play, so... I think if we look at their guard rotation, like Jeremiah Martin played 22 minutes. If Jamal Crawford is there, take f- t- uh, 17 minutes away from Jeremiah Martin and take... Mm, let's see, maybe like two or three minutes away from Chris Chioza, and then you still have like Jamal Crawford playing 23 minutes a game, Tyler Johnson at 18. Like Jeremiah Martin realistically isn't going to do anything for our team that, that Jamal Crawford also, or Tyler Johnson can't do. Also, but you take into account, do you think in the games, Lavert's only going to play 23 minutes? No, 100% not. He's definitely going to play at least 27 minutes per game. Yeah, because look at the Jazz game. He played 31, and Jeremiah Martin only played five. So then what in that case? Well, how many minutes did uh, Tyler Johnson play in that game? 17, again. Uh, Then I guess you take minutes away from – you can't take minutes away from Joe Harris. That's the the problem. Uh, Like, do you – You have to shorten the rotation. Like – John Musa might not be able to get seven like if minutes. You ta- if you completely take out Musa and Martin's minutes completely, that's 13 minutes. And if you take five away from Justin Anderson, okay, then that's then that's enough to get him playing. But the Nets don't have a backup center, so I don't know who they're using in that role. I mean, they might run lineups where Rody plays the five. Be, because like you you don't have any other choice like Jared Allen can't play every minute of the game and yeah and, and so looking at the Jazz game the notable performers were Jared Allen who had a 19 and 10 double double in 31 minutes he played the exact same minutes and seconds as Lavert I think they were on and off together Lavert played 23 uh, had 23 points with six assists on 11 of 22 shooting. He didn't knock down any of his three attempts from beyond the arc, but it was a solid performance overall. And it, based on those two performances, it looked like he's shaking the rust off, having 50 in the last two games. Did you – I completely blanked out. Did you talk about Jared Allen in this game against the Jazz? Yes, I just did. I oh. said Allen and Lavert. <laughs> I was looking at my water bottle and just completely blanked out. But yeah, Jared Allen has been the second best net 
by far in Orlando, as he should be. Uh, Karras and him are really going to be the leaders of this team in Orlando, along with guys like Joe Harris and Rodion's Karuks. Um, I didn't really get to talk about Karras' last game against the, the Spurs. So when you heard us talking about him against the Pelicans, like I said, that was a week ago. And I said that's going to be his worst game of these scrimmages, probably even the eight seeding games because he's knocking off the rust after having not played professional basketball in three months. Now, I'm looking like I was right because my boy dropped 27. Okay, you were right about the scrimmages. There's eight crucial games to prove your point. Nah, he's going to – I mean, what what is the alternative? Like, there's nobody else that's going to get buckets like him on the team. Jamal Crawford. I mean, yes, but him and Jamal Crawford are both capable of dropping 25 apiece. I mean, if you say so, I, I don't think at the same time they would because there's not enough Nets points to go around if that's the case. I mean, there most definitely is. Like, Tyler Johnson had, what, what? he had 11 in this game. John uh, Rody had 13. You got Harris, you got Chioza, you got Temple, you got Johnson, you got Kuruks all playing big minutes. Garrett Allen, Temple, and you're going to have them. Garrett Temple went 3 of 8. And he went three of thirteen. He needs to stop okay, taking he, shots. He's still, he's still gonna play, and he's still gonna shoot. Hey, now when Jamal Crawford get on the court, I don't think they're gonna take Temple out. They're not gonna take him out, but his his shot selection has got to be much, much, much better when Jamal Crawford out there. Because if anyone should be taking thirteen shots, it should not be you. But yeah, the Nets didn't pull out the game against the Jazz. They lost one twelve to one oh seven. They got they actually outscored them in the final quarter, thirty-five to twenty-eight, but it just wasn't enough to uh overcome the thirty-two to nineteen outscoring that the Jazz did in the first quarter. So the Nets were basically fighting back the the entire game. Um the Jazz ended um, up going well, two and one. That's what one and two. There is one glaring issue with the Nets as to why they lost to the Jazz. Try and point that out to me. Turnovers? They lost by they, no, they lost by five. Their turnovers were great in each of the last two games. There's one element of their game that was absolutely horrible, and if they if they did better in that, they would win. They lost by five. Are you are you still asking me a question? Yes. What is that element? Mm, okay, wait. Let me let me think. You got it. you put me on the spot here. Can you give me maybe a multiple choice? Well, what I'll give you is they've had this issue in the past. Is it free throw shooting percentage? Yes. Yes, it is. So they shot 13 of 27 from the free throw line. 48%. In the Jazz? I mean, in the Spurs game? The Jazz game that they lost by five. Yeah, that is. And (laughs) and that's Allen going one for four. Musa going one for four. Karuk's going 0 for one. That's already... A nice two for nine to start right there. Two but, for nine. Yeah, that has been a problem with the Nets for a very long time, and that's where that's a point where we miss Spencer Dinwiddie. And I know people are gonna get on they get on Dinwiddie for like go like splitting free throws or missing clutch free throws, but he gets to the line a lot and he shoots a good percentage, at least like eighty percent from the free throw line. He's probably outside of Kyrie and KD, obviously. He's probably the Nets' most reliable free throw shooter, and so not having him obviously takes a toll. But like you said, they did really, really, really well. Since we bought up a bad, I'll bring up a good. They did really well in turnovers. They only had 12 in the game versus the Jazz compared to the Jazz's 21. And in the game versus the Spurs, they had 11 
compared to the Spurs is 24. So, so I think we should address our Twitter questions now and we can relate them to these games. All right. Well, before we get into the Twitter questions, uh, Hootball has a new sponsorship going with the guys over at MyBookie. So we're going to take a break. Let me and Hunter talk to you about that little sponsorship right there. And we'll get right back to you to talk about the questions that a couple of fans asked us. Say it with me now. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind. My bookie. My bookie's a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. Hunter loves it. Everybody loves it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of the NBA bubble season just around the corner, that's never been a better time to start playing. My, with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your MLB team chances this year? Be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's ever begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. My bookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been that's a whole lot of ends. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and my bookie will match your deposit a hundred percent plus they'll toss you a free ten dollar mlb future wager all you got to do is enter code hoopball when signing up that's h-o-o-p-b-a-l-l to get a hundred percent match on your deposit so if you deposit fifty dollars they're giving you a free fifty dollars if you deposit a hundred they're giving you a free hundred dollars that is free money right there who doesn't like that plus you get a free ten dollar mlb future wager remember at my bookie the terms are simple you bet you win they pay code hoop ball when you're signing up shout out to my bookie and we are back let's dive into the questions we tweeted that we are recording tonight, so to drop any Nets-related questions y'all have heading into the seeding games, and we got two responses, one from our boy Doug, shout out Doug, we already know, we love our guy Doug, and from Devin Ellington, so make sure you follow us on Twitter, so you can tweet us questions and have them answered right here on the pod, just like Doug and Devin, uh, which one do you want to start with, Hunter? Um, I believe that we should start with Devin's, because we can we can relate it to what we were just talking about. All right, cool. So Devin Ellington, that is at D-A-E-L-L-I-E-007 on Twitter, asked how important of a role will Jamal Crossover have? With some of the guys opting out and being injured, I'm hoping to see some vintage Jamal buckets. I mean, I think we all are, my boy. I think that every Nets fan is getting, like, they're promoting him a lot on Twitter about talking about his relationship with Karis. Like, I think we're all looking forward to seeing Jamal Crawford drop buckets in all eight seeding games and heading into the playoffs because the Nets are obviously making the playoffs. But what kind of role do you think he'll have? Hunter, what kind of role do you think Molly the boss will have? I for sure think he's going to average like 15. He's going to get buckets. I, I, I think it'll be tough to see him have a role that's bigger than 25 minutes a game. Because he had he didn't play the whole season, and he's he hasn't played these scrimmages, so I'm I'm guessing somewhere around twenty minutes, which averaging fifteen and twenty minutes is going to be hard. 
is why I think he'll end up somewhere around 12 points a game maybe. But I really do think we will see some good plays from him. Of course, he, he's, go, he's going to harm the defense, but that's just his nature at this point. But he is going to get buckets. That That's his name. It's, it's what he lives for. And the only thing I'm worried about is how his minutes will impact Tyler Johnson because he's been playing well, and I want to see Tyler Johnson get a good role. I, I hope games. I hope that what he lacks on defense, his offense will be able to make up for. And yeah, like that's 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 what you're expecting with Jamal Crawford because you know he's not gonna go out there and check anybody really. Like he's out there for buckets. Everybody knows that. The opposing team knows that. The coach knows that. The players know that. Everybody knows that. And so like, there's undoubtedly gonna be a couple, a handful of crazy Jamal Crawford vintage plays that I can't wait to tweet out. And and while he might take a while to rev up, like I don't maybe in like the first five, three to five games, he's not playing 25 minutes. He's not shooting well. I think by the time that we get to the playoffs, he'll be in full Jamal Crawford mode that we know and love because like his last game, he dropped 50. And I know I keep saying that, but like it's obviously going to take a while with Karras, like the same thing for Karras to get back into the rhythm of rhythm of things. And he's way older than Karras LeVert. So if it took a 25 year old at least a game to get back into like the flow of basketball is going to take Jamal Crawford a while to get back into it too. So at least like give him some slack if he's not killing in the first couple of games by game five or six, he should have his feet, his legs under him. And so like, what kind of role are we expecting? I'm expecting him to have the role of come off the bench, get buckets, simple. Like let's not make it harder than it needs to be. I think he's going to be like the seventh or eighth man. I think he'll probably be the seventh man. Yeah, because I think they have Rhodey as sixth man in terms of minutes right now. And then he'll probably be similar to Garrett Temple in terms of minutes. And when you look at that bench squad, like when I see Jamal Crawford, I think of he's definitely the the player most capable of just getting his own shot and shot creating and just getting a pure bucket. Like and so like you need someone like that on your bench, like a Lou Will, even like a J.R. Smith. Somebody like that who you know might make a, a dumb play every now and then, take a crazy shot every now and then, but more times than not, he's going to make the right play and, you know, get a bucket for your squad. So that's the kind of role that we envision Jamal Crawford having. Um, shout out to my boy Devin once again for asking us a question. On to the next one. We got our boy Doug at Doug underscore life one on Twitter. He said, what are your early predictions for next season's team and what and do we need a third star? And then in parentheses, no, we should let KD and Kyrie play with the guys that attracted them to Brooklyn in the first place. So I, I'm guessing that's what Doug believes we should do. Like, as the Nets, we should just let KD and Kyrie play with the guys that bought them here in the first place and not try and trade Karras for somebody like, I don't know, Zach Levine or Bradley yeah, Beal. See, see, personally, I would agree with that normally. But I I think that KD and Kyrie have a voice in that locker room. Not locker room. Behind the scenes with the executives. Like the front office. And if a trade is made, yes. If a trade is made, it's because they wanted the trade to be made. So, yes, those guys attracted them to Brooklyn. But it doesn't mean that they were impressed with how the season went with them. And so, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, 
no trades are getting made, no moves, no free agent signings are getting made without the blessing of KD and Kyrie in the first place. And so, like you said, if a move is made, they approved it. And I don't think that they would approve the trading of Karis. Me personally, so like, let me actually answer your question. My early predictions for next season's team. I think that we're going to be the first seed in the East. I think that KD and Kyrie are both making the All-Star game, obviously. I think they're both averaging upwards of 24, 25. And then I personally think that Karis is going to take the next step and be the third star that we need. Like, I think we already have a third star. So why would we trade someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, one of the best six men in the league, or Jared Allen, a budding center prospect, for Zach Levine, like, yes, Zach Levine and Karras are the same age, and Zach Levine is a more polished offensive player. But is he is the, the difference between Zach Levine's offense and Karras Levert's offense really worth Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and a pick? Or Karras Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karras Levert, Jared Allen, and a pick? Especially when KD and Kyrie are going to have the ball in their hands for the majority of the time anyway, so it's not like Zach Levine's going to be dropping 40 every night like he does for the Bulls, like, so I would rather have someone that's already integrated into the system and the culture, whatever that culture may be now for the Nets, and keep the assets that we already have, then trade for a guy like Bradley Beal, who we're going to have to pay a crazy amount of money anyway, and Zach Levine, who is not going to be as offensively, I don't want to say as offensively offensively talented but he's not going to have the same role in our offense as he does on the bulls and i think that's what a lot lot, what draws a lot of people to zach levine they see him dropping these crazy numbers and think oh my god he's such a a incredible offensive player and like not don't get me wrong he is like he's a bucket 100 percent. but he also has nobody else on his team capable of scoring 25 a night like when you come to the nets you're gonna have to deal with kd and Kyrie. Well, my prediction for next season, I think they'll be the two seed. You think the Bucks? the Bucks? The yeah. yeah, I still give the Bucks the one seed. I give the Nets the two seed. Um, I, regardless of their team, I think they end up at the two seed. I th- I would like to see them keep the team the same, but I honestly think at this point, the Bradley Beal trade is their third best option. I, I think... I think if they were to make a trade, it should be the Bulls trade, only because I don't think they'd have to give up as much because they'd also take Thad Young off of the Bulls. Did you hear about that? No. What, what was said? Kyrie want, wanted Thad Young originally on the Nets, but he went to the Bulls. So if they trade for Levine, they're taking Thad Young too for Kyrie. Well, what would so you be Bulls willing? Will, the Bulls will want to get rid of him. So let's say they give up. They gave up Karis, Rhodey, and two picks. Is that too much for you? Karis, Rhodey, and two picks for Zach Levine and Thaddeus Young? Yes. Is that too much for you? No. It's not. It's not. But I don't know that we would get back Thaddeus Young. Like, does the is that even a possible trade? Like, does the money work? Like, I don't... I, oh, wait, I don't know if the money works in, in like, that example. But I, I know that if we get Levine, that that Thad Young is probably attached to him okay, because so, the Bulls are not going to want to keep him on, on their team with, with no hopes of winning next year anyway. So what, so what was, would you, I found this article, uh, shout out to clutch points. 
says the four best trade offers Mets can make for Bull Star Zach Levine. Now, I know what I would personally give up for Zach Levine, and Karis Levert would be off the table for me. So I would give you something like Spencer Dinwiddie, and like this is not considering what if the money works. I really don't feel like going on NBA trade machine right now, but if you guys really want me to, I will. But as for right now, this is not considering all the money and everything. I would be willing to give up Dinwiddie, a first, and Kuroks. Or, or, or like Jared Allen, a first, and Kuroks, but I'm not giving you, or, or I would give up Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen, but I'm not giving you a first, Dinwiddie and Allen. You can get two of the three, but one of them is staying with me. And I'm not giving you Karis. Karis 100% off the table. What would you be willing to give up? Well, personally, I'd give up Karis over Dinwiddie in the situation for Levine because it's like, to me, Dinwiddie, yes, Levert's ceiling is higher. Dinwiddie brings more immediate value to the court. Dinwiddie's better defensively. Dinwiddie knocks down clutch shots. Dinwiddie attacks better. I think they're on par about the same level, but I I do value Dinwiddie more right now because of the win-now urgency. See, I would rather have Karras because of the win-now urgency because, like, their starting lineup would be stacked. Like, theoretically, let's say it was Kyrie, Zach Levine, Karras, KD, Jared Allen. That's sick. Like, I don't care yeah, who's coming cool. off my bench. That's we could cool, have Jamal Crawford and Tyler Johnson. Nobody's beating that. Even I know, I know I bring up this team a lot, but based on the matchup, who is guarding Jalen Brown there? Bro, who's it doesn't guarding, matter. Who's guarding, who's guarding KB? Chris Middleton? Who's guarding, who's guarding Kyrie? Who's guarding no, no, Zach Levine? Who's guarding Chris Middleton? Because Karras at the three is an absolute hole, a loophole. That is asking for it. Bro, it doesn't matter. He's not a three. That more team of a one offensively a is killing every single NBA sure, team, bro. Sure. All we have but, to do is outscore them. Are you forgetting that they have Tory and Prince? Okay, that he can come off the bench and get so buckets. Why not, Simple. Why, why not give up Karis, right? Instead of Dinwiddie, where you suck the soul out of their bench. And literally leave nothing for the bench. I mean, the Warriors instead, got Warriors instead, got it done with Sean Livingston. So I mean, yeah, hey. but 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 Kyrie is not Steph, and KD is KD, and Zach Levine is and Zach Levine, Levine is and not Karis is Karis. Levine is not Clay. Those it's four a different team. Those four combined are better than the three. Torian Prince is not Draymond. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to be. There will never be it's, a team in that like that Warriors team constructed again. But this that Nets team that I'm talking about right now would outscore and dominate every team regardless of their bench. And what vet wouldn't want to sign a vet men with them? Like, look. So the if you give up Karis, so the the trade that I'd give up for for Levine and just Levine, you're saying. Uh, I guess yeah. What what would you give up for Levine? I I'd get definitely give up Karis Musa and and a pick. A first. Yeah, Karis Musa and a first. You're keeping Dinwiddie and and uh, Jared. And yeah, but I'm talking about for the bench. Yeah, probably Jared. They're probably gonna start DeAndre Jordan. Keeping Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and 
Garrett Temple probably for the bench because they're going to wind up starting Torian Prince in that case. And then you still have other people who are going to sign with them. But Dinwiddie's the big thing there. You talk about a death lineup having Dinwiddie at the end of the games. They're all focused on KD. They're all focused on Kyrie. Dinwiddie gets the ball swung to him, and he he's clutch. Karis can so, do the same thing. I trust Dinwiddie pulling a three at the end of a game more than Karis. I mean, I'd I'd be I'd be content with Dinwiddie shooting a three to close my eyes and bet it goes in more than I ever would Karis. I mean, we won't have to worry about that because KD and Kyrie will be taking those shots. So I mean, until KD drives, they all sink in, and where's Dinwiddie? Right, wide open on the right wing. Uh, or Zach Levine or uh, Karis LeVert, who would probably also cash it. But regardless, regardless, I bought up this Clutch Points article. Shout out Clutch Points. Tell me what you think of these trade packages that they say are the four best things the Nets can offer. So the Nets trade Karis, Torian Prince, Jean-On Mute, and Jean-On or Rodions for Zach Jean-On. Levine and Thaddeus Young. I like that very much. Until the giving up, giving up Jean on not Rody, not Rody. Until the not possible Rody. core rotation they have here is Irving, Levine, Durant, Thad, DeAndre Jordan. With oh, they have Irving, Levine, Durant, Thad, DeAndre Jordan, and then Allen and Dinwiddie off the bench with Rody. With Rody, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you say that's that's a go. Yes. The next one: Karis, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince. And Jana Musa for Zach Levine and Otto Porter. Even better. Uh depends. Hold on, I need to see this. Yes, absolutely. And so they that possible core rotation is Irving, Levine, Porter, Durant, Allen, Dinwiddie. I I think that's a no brainer because Otto Porter's last year of his deal is next year. So so yeah, you'll have it on the books, but you're not paying him long term. And and you get to keep Jared Allen while adding a player that's better than Thaddeus Young. I don't. I don't really see why. why I would. That. I would rather the Otto Porter than the Thaddeus Young, just yes, because, easily. like you said, his deal's almost up. And even if they wanted to, you you'd get a a, a free, not a free look, but you'd be able to look at a twenty. He's still twenty seven, and and that's relatively old for NBA, but it's not that 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 old. Like he'll he's still a a promising player. Like he could still have a resurgence in the second half of his career. So I would rather the Otto Porter one. Okay, the third trade. Just flat out Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen for Zach Levine. No. you w- That's crazy. You wouldn't do that? No. Why wouldn't you? You have absolutely no bench. Your bench is Rodion's Karooks and Nick Claxton. If the, no. If the, if the Bulls offered me Dinwiddie and Jared Allen for Zach Levine, I'm taking that. No. And, and not even thinking twice. No, no. And so then the last one is, and your your center rotation is going to be absurdly bad. I mean, it already is. What what we we have DeAndre Jordan. We'll sign a vet men center and call it a day. Get it going. No. And so then this one is the last one: Karis Levert and Jared Allen for Zach Levine. No, that's also bad. This I don't, one is I don't horrible. Feel, 
No, it's the same thing. Nope. Both of them suck. Nope. This one is I don't. Hard. I don't see a point in either of them. You're giving up Jared Allen for nothing, and Jared Allen's the best center on the roster. No, nah, DeAndre Jordan's the best center on the roster. Jared Allen no, has the potential no, to be the best center no, on the roster. No. But right now, do DeAndre Jordan up, is the best center on the roster. Do I have to bring up my numbers? Do I really have to bring up my numbers? Uh, listen, uh, CBS Sports did an article saying that DeAndre Jordan is the most valuable player not attending the Orlando uh, bubble. So he's pretty valuable to the Nets. And he has better chemistry with KD and Kyrie, which is what next year is about anyway. So, yeah, those are the four uh, trade packages from Clutch Points. Me and Hunter each like them separately. Realistically, I don't think they trade for either one of them. I think Bradley Beal is is way, is the one that's least likely to happen. Maybe Levine, but even still, I don't see that happening. Um, and before we go, before we head out, we want to give a shout out to Kyrie for uh, starting a $1.5 million fund to cover the salaries of WNBA players who will skip the bubble. That's extremely, extremely, extremely incredible because they already get underpaid. They don't they don't get a fraction of what NBA players get. And so for them to sit out of the bubble, to keep their health up to par, like the fact that they have to lose money for that could really hurt them and their livelihood. So shout out to Kyrie for looking out for them. That's extremely heroic. And you get all my props for that, my boy. Um... And yeah, that'll do it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review because all reviews are getting read on the pod. Follow us on Twitter at Hoop Ball Nets. Our personal Twitter handles will be in the description, so follow us there. You can ask us questions, comments, concerns, like Doug and Devin did today to get your questions answered on the pod whenever we tweet. And uh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, give me a letter. Oh, I always forget about that. Um, wait, let me find a letter in my room. Uh, N. N. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Nerland's Noel popped into my head. I thought of Nate Robinson. But. I like that. Yeah, and he's fighting Jake Paul. But outside of that, <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. Shout out to Manscaped. Shout out to my bookie on Manscaped. Use code HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping. And on my bookie, use code HoopBall to get 100% deposit back on whatever you put down and a free $10 MLB future bet. Until yeah, thank you to them, and we'll talk to you guys next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.